Welcome to the Grow Zone, real-time adventures. With Sarah Hübner, the communications adventurer, and Kerry Temple, the outdoor adventurer. Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Grow Zone. We're excited to have you here today joining us. Um, Sarah, what real-time adventures have you been up to since we last spoke? I had a lovely real-time adventure with you, Kerry. It's snowshoeing in the Voralpen in Alpine area, the lower area, with um, some friends and my partner. It was such a lovely day. You led us with such enthusiasm and we could enjoy the sun. We were really lucky and it was just uh, exactly what I needed in that moment because winter is taking a long time, it feels like, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lovely day and also I really enjoy the enjoyed the company of a really great group of people and... Yeah, lots of fun. And you also brought the sunshine with you because the weather looked quite, um, quite, yeah, quite overcast in the morning and then the sun came up and yeah, we were spoiled. <laughs> yes. And I mean, we would have gone anyway, wouldn't we? We would have gone with yes. the flow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it always shows you should go out the door because, um, because often things turn out better than you expect them. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Well, we have a really exciting guest coming in in a moment. She is from Australia, well, joining us from Australia. Her name is Patty Styles, and those of you who do improv will surely know her. Those of you who are not in the improv scene um, enjoy getting to know Patty Styles. It is such an honor to have you here today, Patty, and uh, for joining us from Melbourne, Australia. I'm just going to give the audience a bit of an overview um, of you. So, Patty is a Canadian living in Australia. She has been working professionally in theater since 1983. And as a true real-time adventurer, she wears many hats. She's an actor, director, author, playwright, and a teacher who specializes in improvisational theater. She served her theater apprenticeship um, at the world-renowned Loose Moose Theater and was trained by Keith Johnstone, the British and Canadian pioneer of improvisational theater. Patty is a member of the ITI Artistic Committee and a founding member of several renowned improvisation theatre companies in Canada and Australia. She has taught and performed in North and South America, Europe, Asia, UEA and Oceania region for numerous improvisation companies, festivals, theatre schools and in the corporate arena. There's good reason Patty's one of the most respected and sought after improvisers and teachers for performers and companies wishing to create spontaneous theatre. She has an infectious enthusiasm for improvisation and she lives the principles of theatre improvisation, particularly the principles of deep listening and making your partner look good. And I can totally attest to that. Wherever she goes and whoever she meets, she listens to what people's needs are and helps individual players, as well as the whole ensemble, step up their game to the next level. May that be in a workshop setting or on stage. And one of Patty's most 
recent adventures has been the release of her first book, Improvise Freely, in 2021. And 2021 was special in another way. She got a puppy named, let me see if I get the name right, Desi Arnes Ananda Dance With Me Tonight. <laughs> I have known Patty since 2014 when she came to Munich to teach Bake This, my improv company of the time, um, for a weekend. And her magical touch helped the group step up to the next level. And since then, our paths have crossed in various settings in Italy, Spain, Australia, and most recently online. So what a joy to have you here, Patty. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for that. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Would you like to add anything or correct anything I just said about you? No. Anything that you said that I haven't done, I'm very happy for people to think I have. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, and I'm going to hand over to Kerry now for the quick fire questions. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Patty. Hello. It's lovely to have you here. You. <laughs> and we always start opening some quick fire questions. And these are just spontaneous, follow your instinct. There's no right or wrong. I think you're used to this. So <laughs> <laughs> going with the flow, um, it's either or. Then I'll ask you a few words and then same thing. First thing that pops into your mind. But you can say a bit more than one word if you want to for that. Great. Um, so first of all, are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was an easy one. I got that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, outdoors or indoors? Uh, oh, I'm bad at these either or. It depends on the time of day. Mm -hmm. oh, adventure or comfort zone? Adventure. Mountain or stage? The stage, because you can imagine a mountain. Mm -hmm. Cake or chips? <laughs> oh, chips. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Night owl. And then what do you think of when you hear the word adventure? Um, freedom, challenge, joy, wonder, experience. And transition. Cool. Um, improvisation. Ah, <laughs> uh, just happiness. Um, imagination, creativity, connection, friendships, art, story, heart, magic. So much about what I love about humanity and so much what I love about theater all put into one delicious package with a bow mm -hmm. of play. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> and learning learning I love it uh it's essential I'm conflicted sometimes about learning because of the processes taught uh in how to learn mm -hmm. uh wonder with learning I have this sense every now and then and it, it, it like a disappointment that there is so much to learn and I'll never be able to learn all of it Mm -hmm. So sometimes I start going down the rabbit hole of something and I go, there's just no way I will ever know all of this. And on certain days, that's magical and wonderful because it's like it will always continue to be a journey. And on other days, it's really frustrating because there's mm -hmm. also all these other rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> but yeah, learning opening. Super. And then finally, three words that describe you. Three words to describe me. Hopeful, 
heart. Oh, there's a lot of words spinning around the same topic. I'm trying to find the anchor word for it. Um, connection. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting to hear you uh, improvise and freely say so many words when with adventure, improvisation, learning. And then when it comes to you, that's <laughs> where it takes longest to find the right word. <laughs> yeah, because is it, is it the the me of yesterday, the me of today, or the me that I'm kind of contemplating and trying to grow into? Mm-hmm. Um, so is it is it the me kind of my my anchor points of what I go ah, you know here 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 are my you know morality anchors, or is it me? what I'm trying to achieve or what I'd like to achieve or me, how I function and connect. Cause there's so many aspects of who we are individually mm-hmm. and that changes, you know, sometimes hourly, depending on the day that you're having. <laughs> and it is like, it, it's a question that if you ask me in a month, I'll, I'll give you very different words probably. And I also realized just, I think this last week um, there's, it's cultural how we describe ourselves. In more individualistic societies, we'll say, I'm an improviser, I do this. Whereas in some more uh, in societies where it's more group-minded, you'll say, I'm the mother of, I'm part of this. So, so how you relate yourself to the, the rest of the world. And you were using bigger terms of connection, which is neither nor. <laughs> well, I'm an improviser. That's what I do for a living. That's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, a passion. It's a career. It's a joy. It's a creativity. Um, and then I have relationship labels, but you're asking who I am. Mm-hmm. You're not asking who am I connected to or what do I do? And I do find mm-hmm. it interesting that quite often in conversations, if you do ask someone more about who they are, you will get, oh, this is what I've accomplished. It's like, great, that's fine. And that tells me what you've done and therefore gives me information about you because that's important to you or you have pride in it or what you would have needed to do that. But it also kind of is like, ah, are you are you willing to tell me about you? Mm-hmm. Why do we define ourselves by accomplishment and and connection labels? Why can't mm-hmm. we identify ourselves by what we're thinking about ourselves that day. But there's a vulnerability because if the person you're talking to doesn't see that trait in you or mm-hmm. someone else goes, no, 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 I, I don't think you was humorous. And I've said, oh, I'm humorous. <laughs> you know, it's a real, it, it leaves you open uh, to interpretation where if I say I did this project, there is no interpretation. I did it. I'm related to this person. No interpretation. I am. Mm. And that's the kind of, that awareness is the kind of awareness I find you develop in improvisation. When you do theater improvisation, that's what you learn to look out for. Mm. Can you um, say when that, when you became more aware, was there a, a time well, and there's probably so many learning steps. So I don't even know a question of how to formulate <laughs> <laughs> that succinctly. 
There was an example about people identifying themselves by projects and accomplishments that happened very early on in my theater career because I was at a party and was just chatting with people and everybody kept giving me their CV. And I'd be like, you know, so what'd you do yesterday? Well, I was preparing for this audition. I'm like, okay. And by the end of the party, I was exhausted because it was interesting to hear that. And I appreciate that that's what people wanted to share. But I felt like there was a lot of shields going up because it was an industry party. Everybody was positioning and angling and trying to mm-hmm. look, I'm doing something. I'm, I'm valid. Where my starting point is, of course, you're valid. Everybody is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more curious about what makes you tick and, you know, what do you love? And, you know, if, if you were given a million dollars right now, where would you go? Like if you went, you go to the airport right now, you could buy any ticket anywhere. Where would that be? That fascinates me a little bit more than the job you're preparing for. Although mm. I appreciate that that's important. In terms of improvisation, because I've, I've done a very, very little bit of improvisation. So I'm at the ground where, and I've seen um, Sarah and in performances with Bake This. I wonder with improvisation, where do you start with that? Because that's a... I think a big thing of, of of part of it is having that that comfort to be or to allow yourself to be yourself, probably. But when you're working with someone, where, what's the ground? What's the ground? Ground zero, <laughs> almost point of um of where you start working with people to to be able to imp- to improvise in that respect. I think part of the ground zero is the atmosphere that the company or organization creates before you even begin. Mm-hmm. And if you're going into an environment where people are building status structures and, you know, treating people as celebrities and they're this level, you're that level and you'll never get to be this or oh, so and so's walked into the room. That I mean, to me, that, that that's bullshit. We're, we're human and we're doing a thing. And anybody can be great and anybody can be crap at any given moment because this is creativity and imagination. And and some days you're connected and free and other days you're struggling. You know, we're we're human. Mm -hmm. Um, But if a company or an organization has these inherent systems built in, even if it's not spoken, you'll feel it in in your first classes when you first go you'll you'll see you know everybody gather around a particular performer or teacher or that person walks in and everybody's like ooh and they're gossiping in the corner look who's here so that's immediately going to make newer players to the company nervous because you're on a ladder and you know you're on a ladder yeah. and if you're on a ladder there's judgment there's climbing up there's falling down um, there's competition, up go the elbows, the shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I find that very destructive for improvisation because we're collaborative. Our work is collaborative. And I was very lucky at the Loose Moose Theater that that wasn't the culture of the company. Mm-hmm. Now, it's human nature to create those structures. 
right? It's human nature to see someone perform and go, wow, you're amazing and create that little pedestal for yourself. That's different than the company saying, these people are this and you are that, right? Mm -hmm. And my first ever impro class was with the company, was with the players who created theater sports with Keith, the people who were performing every week that I was watching. I, you know, make popcorn and sell tickets and then go and sit. (laughs) My first workshop was with them. I was invited into that group because, you know, everybody's where they're at. Everybody is a gift. Everybody brings their creativity. That was a given. Do I have things to learn? Yeah. (laughs) But I'm a person. I'm valuable. I'm creative. Let's start there. So when I started to travel, and now that there's a real impro industry, that's building these structures even more. Mm -hmm. and uh, I think it becomes even more problematic. Anybody who's beginning, know that you are valued, you are valuable, you are welcome, you are allowed to take space, the space is there for everyone, and you are creative, you are an improviser. Now, do you need to learn technique? Mm -hmm. Do you need to learn a little bit more craft? Yes, absolutely, focus on that. Don't focus on the latter. Don't focus on the status. Don't focus on who's who's where. Just focus on the work. Everything else will come. Mm. And Carrie, you actually mentioned an interesting question, which I think links quite nicely um, before before we started, uh, before you came, Patty, <laughs> about um, you've been traveling the world and teaching like for many years and you've revisited the same groups and people. You see them again. Um, how, what role does improvement play and how does that link with better communication? Is there a link? <laughs> improvement is an interesting word because it, uh, in order to say someone is improved, you have to have a scale in which you assess it. Mm-hmm. If I'm working with a group and I know their objectives, then there's a scale that we can make that assessment by. And I can work with Mm -hmm. them one year, come back the next year and go, ah, right, yes, you are improving because you're meeting the objectives that you have defined. So the the improvement's an interesting word. In general, I look for growth, right? And that growth is um, individually for each performer. That growth is in the collaborative connectedness of the group. Has that grown or is it fracturing? Growth in skill, technique, both in improvisation and in presentation and theater awareness. So if I'm working with a group regularly, I I look for, ah, where's the growth? Has there been growth? Mm -hmm. If there hasn't been growth in any area, then I, I go, ah, why? What's happened this year? Because mm. growth is connected to learning and exploring and risk and challenge. So if there isn't any growth in any area, I tend to go, ah, so there wasn't any risk or challenge or experimentation. Hmm. What's been happening? Um, but yeah, improvement, 
if there's a scale that they've set objectives, then I can go, yeah, you know, I can see what's happening there. <laughs> and when we when we spoke to you at the beginning and asked you about those quick the quick fire questions, when we got to the word improvisation, oh my goodness, you just like lit up <laughs> and just full of joy, and it was as it's amazing to yeah to experience that passion. Um, we how did you how did that start with you? Where did you where did that start? Um, I, I, it started at the Moose. Like before I started at Loose Moose, I knew I wanted to be in theater. Um, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to be involved in in storytelling and, and creativity. But the moose was just joyous. The moose was playful. Um, you know, we would have water fights in the building, you know, just for fun. Why not? We'd do a show. And then after a show and the audience had left, we'd have a dance party on the stage. <laughs> you know, if we were doing um, a play, we'd We'd all be there making the set and building the props and working together to to create the piece collaboratively in all aspects. So it really felt like a unified force, a family, Mm -hmm. um, a troop, and and a lot of playfulness in that. So when I think about improvisation, I immediately go to that. Um or other groups that I've worked with rapid fire theater and dynasty and impro Melbourne, where they've been families, they've been friendships, they've been safe and joyous places. Um, or my connection with international improvisers, you know, doing the duo with, with Joe Bill, or anytime I get to work with uh, Felipe and Danielle from Colombia, or, I mean, just so many improvisers. It's, it's just like, leaping off a cliff into the unknown, but knowing that there's all these loving hands around you that they might tickle you or pinch you, but they'll always (laughs) catch you. (laughs) (laughs) And the possibilities of that, the joy that you saw on my face, um, Mm -hmm. I can equally get cranky and, and, Mm -hmm. um, pissed off about improvisation. And my, my pissed off isn't, that it's not being done right. My pissed off is when I see people being hurt or it's not being valued or people are not being valued or everything's being taken for granted or it's being condensed and manipulated into something that it's something other. Um, When people, you know, don't treat each other kindly or with respect or care on stage or off stage then then the cranky side of me comes out because I love this so much. I'm so protective of this in so many ways. Yeah, that when, when it's abused. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's, isn't that, that's the two sides of passion and that's when mm. you do, the, you stand up for what you, what you believe in because you have that mm. absolute passion that if you don't have a, that fire, if it's not being looked after I feel that with nature <laughs> I'm from yeah. yeah work a lot outdoors and I'm passionate about it but it can also that's probably the time that I get my angry side is that when you see it's not being valued <laughs> in that same that same way yeah when you see someone walking through a beautiful old growth forest and they just throw a tin can yeah Hard so to keep the there are days. the two sides, <laughs> the two sides to yeah, what you love, but we need it. That's what we need so that 
um, yeah, so that these great things happen. And that actually is a nice sort of link to a question that I'm dying to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. Um, Patty, you have lived in uh, two different continents um, with very different climates and seasons and even like daytime, nighttime and (laughs) shifts. How does that influence your work or your being, your, the sense of adventure? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, Australia is a beautiful country. And as, as a, a country, a continent, it, everything about it has adventure. You know, all you have to do is look at a picture of the outback and how can you not feel adventure? Um, that, that, red soil with the blue sky it's yeah there is no other like it and just the expanse but when it comes to touring and creativity being in the southern hemisphere you really do feel disconnected how uh if you go to a festival you can be there probably less than a day <laughs> you know, so if, if you're, you know, if you're going, I don't know, uh, to France for a festival, that's half a day. You'll be able to kind of pack, go to the airport, get there, arrive, go to your hotel, unpack, have a shower, go for a meal. All of that, I'm still on a plane. <laughs> right? Yeah. So people will get up in the morning get ready for work, go to work, work an eight-hour day, come home from work, have a meal, do whatever they do in the evening and go to bed. And I'm still on one flight. (laughs) (laughs) So that that mental thing of, wow, (sighs) you know, that flight and then the jet lag, Mm -hmm. that really adds into it. And right now with, um, you know, our COVID years, most of the, you know, stuff online is in Northern Hemisphere time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so although there's an opportunity to connect, in many ways, it's made me feel more disconnected because shows are happening and it's three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning. There's festivals happening, but for me to join or watch would be four o'clock in the morning and there aren't the other options. So yeah, it's, I really feel like I'm on the other side of the world. I really do. Even organizing times, Mm -hmm. time zones, the (laughs) amount of emails to figure out a time zone. Um, But it's the reality Mm -hmm. of the situation. I just wait for the Star Trek transporter i really want that (laughs) (laughs) so it's not australia as such that is um there's not as many uh, cultural events that take place in australia but because of the place where it is on the earth (laughs) um there's not as many international festivals so for australia for any of the companies here in australia to hold a festival uh, pre-COVID, it would have been 
two, two and a half grand per ticket for one person to fly here. Mm -hmm. That's if you have five teachers, you want to do a 10 day Mm -hmm. event with five teachers already. That's a lot of work for those five teachers. That's Mm -hmm. well over 10 grand before you've even talked venue Mm -hmm. or accommodation. So it really makes it cost prohibitive. Um, There are festivals in Australia. So Wellington has one. Auckland's been trying to have an international one, but their first year was 2020. (laughs) I know. And every year they keep re-inviting and going, it's going to happen. And we used to have one in Canberra, but again, it just became after time, not Mm cost-effective to keep it running. Um, So there is a, a disconnection of that flow of information, that ease of information, being able to go and watch a wide variety of shows, um, to have that experience. It's, it's not the same here as it is in Europe. Mm-hmm. I've lived, been living internationally and I enjoy the, the perks of living internationally, but in the improv scene, what does, what do international festivals bring? What the extra, um, extra aspects to international festivals bring specifically? I think they're invaluable. No matter how uh, open or open thinking a company is, it is natural that a group of people is going to have a little bit of an echo chamber because they're going to have a style of working, an approach mm-hmm. to working. And so everything is going to be funneled through that. Not bad, you know, um, but not always good. Because sometimes you really have to look from a completely different point of view to shake things up and gain that new perspective, that fresh something other. But it's hard to do that internally. If you're going, right, we have to do a show this week. We have to get an audience. What's our marketing? Mm -hmm. Everything is funneled to that. So a festival lets you go and go, whoa. I didn't know you could do that with that. I didn't know that genre existed. That's a really interesting approach. My goodness, the audience Mm -hmm. sat in the middle and the performers were around us. Hang on, they used risers. Sometimes it can be a simple thing that you just haven't thought of because you hadn't seen it before. So you didn't know it was a possibility. So international festivals, especially if Um, the organizers are looking to create that complexity and diversity of work, which is something that uh, the Amsterdam Festival is so good at. Same with the Würzburg Festival um, and many others, but those are just, you know, the two that popped to mind immediately. That they looked for shows that were bringing something other and creating a buffet where it wasn't just all pizza, You'd have your pizza and your caviar and your, you know, local beer and your fancy something else. Not that anything was better or worse, just different. And then the students go, whoa, (laughs) so this is what an accepting an offer can be. Right. That's important. And as a participant of many of those festivals, one thing I really treasure is connecting with so many people all over the world because improv or impro in wherever we are is still 
it's still a, not many people know what it is <laughs> and you need to explain <laughs> yourself or what you do and just and uh, or there's a certain style in a certain city and sort of this yeah exchange with other people and connecting with other people that you don't need to uh, what you feel a connection mm -hmm. right away because of your shared love for this art form yeah and that's important to be able to to uh debate ideas to challenge concepts um i i oh i'm going to get myself in trouble i really wish improvisers were a bit more honest with their opinion Mm. Yes. We love it. That's a given. Okay. You know, uh, if, you, if, if you love a child and you keep giving them candy, are you doing the best thing for the child? Mm, no. So um, we should learn to, with respect and care, be able to verbalize our opinions and have opinions. It's okay to not like a show. Mm. <laughs> that's art <laughs> some people like Rembrandt some people like Picasso great whatever but I find that at a festival where we have this opportunity to challenge the world of the work that we do mm -hmm. we want to pull the the echo chamber bubble over us or we want to break into oh I'm short form I'm long form come on it doesn't matter And really, there is no definitive definition for either. Short form, long form are bad descriptive terms because what are they actually describing? Length of time? That, what? Is that how we define our work? By how long you're on stage? I think we can find better words. But to actually have an opinion and to challenge those opinions and enjoy the discussion around those opinions, to have the conversation, to learn. To have a conversation where your ideas are challenged and you're open to that and you hear someone else's perspective and you're open to that, not to have a conversation to display your status or to win. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. And if you find someone who goes, I love that show and you didn't mm -hmm. to say why. Yeah. The, the art or. I don't know if it's the art, but um, it's about getting your ego out of that. Like in improv, we practice that all the time when we're <laughs> creating not to have our ego dominate. Yet afterwards, after a show, like not to feel that it's a personal criticism. It's uh, to also see what we've put out there is out there. It's not attached to me necessarily. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I wouldn't say run up to the cast to give them your opinion <laughs> um, because the cast have creative objectives that they're trying to create and you don't know what those are. So, and right after a show, people are processing. They're, they're reviewing what they've done. They're thinking about it. The cast should have that opportunity to reflect as a cast And then ask for input, but ask for it when they're ready for it. And this is why I'm saying don't just run up and, you know, dump your ideas. You know, let people come to you and say, so what did you think? And if they're mm. asking you, honesty is a good thing, you know, mm. but honesty with consideration and kindness, 
you know, I, I wouldn't say to a total stranger, your show sucked. That, <laughs> also, there's no value in that statement. That's about me creating a status place for me. I get to judge you. What did you think of my show? You know, um, I, I was trying to find the way into the story and I, I'll admit I was struggling to connect with what you were doing. Could you tell me more about your creative objectives? And then, and then both of you were learning, right? It's, it's a learning opportunity. It's a communication opportunity. You know, no one's keeping score. It, it strikes me that overall all of those little things are all invaluable tools for all aspects of life and how um, as a globe in a global community, especially when you're, um, we're all connected, we're all going through similar issues, even if our environments might be different mm. in different places. But there's so much, lear- stepping back into the, the international side of things, so much learning that you can get through seeing how different approaches come through. And we never expose ourselves to that in the first place. But then also, or not often, it's there are hard ways. It's diff- finding a platform that you can do that is really valuable. And then secondly, those are massive steps to enable improvement, transition, and um, solid communication to to learn that you're getting through through improv. Mm. Um, so it's really interesting to yeah, interesting to hear that and hear those through those cycles and things that you can feed into so many other areas. <laughs> yeah, and and there are a lot of improvisers who uh, are not really interested in learning. Right, so they're they're improvising uh, for different reasons than I'm improvising. That's okay, they, you know, it's their their life. <laughs> they get to make those choices. <laughs> I'm not being dismissive. I'm actually going. Well, I have no right to to say what's the right way. Um, but you know, I I'm trying to remember. Keith was saying I can't remember the name of the famous actor who basically said. Um, you know, when you get to a certain status, nobody will tell you if you're not good and, and how problematic mm-hmm. it is because then you can't, you can't get perspective points. You, you've got no compass in which to be able to steer your work. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Or in my own personal life in job related, I came across someone who was offering me work and he was obviously the alpha male who had never been told <laughs> no. And I I said no, I, I just setting my own boundaries or what. And he, he couldn't accept that. And there was wasn't willing to ha- go have a dialogue or anything. And that's a shame because mm. <laughs> it wasn't a total no. It's just these parameters didn't work. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because. It's like, well, then what was his need? Was his need control? Mm-hmm. Was his need discipline? Was his need um, status? Was, yeah. you know, and look, we're, we're all, you know, perfectly imperfect, you know, and we're all, you know, learning and growing every day. And, you know, we, you, you, you can have that moment where you walk into one store and you have this incredible encounter with someone and you feel so, mm-hmm. you know, woke and alive and the world is a beautiful place and my energy is in complete commitment with all the vibes that are happening on the universe and then walk outside and hit someone and boom, 
there's a fight and say, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and both are equally good teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make you feel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, I was going to uh, ask some about the book. <laughs> Is that <laughs> Kerry? Do you want to ask a question before that? Um, okay, I'll ask my question because I, 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 it kind of relates to what we were saying. So I think you've got to be incredibly brave. I think to to step on the stage to be vulnerable and to put put that out there and to make be open to making to making mistakes and you're obviously very used to being brave and doing <laughs> doing all of that I you were <laughs> say, you're obviously you know very used to making mistakes <laughs> <laughs> no but you're uh, uh, no I, what, what I mean is you're very I, I see you as very, being you know very very brave and doing and doing that on the in the improv world are there any areas where you feel you're less brave and you use what you have from improv in those settings yeah absolutely uh I have a fear of needles so mm-hmm. you know when I when I have to go and you know if I have a blood test or something like that that um I have to I have to I choose to um apply some techniques that I've learned in theater that help with, you know, breathing and um, relaxing muscles and that sort of stuff, um, you know, which is great. Thank you, theater training for <laughs> these wonderful tools. Um, I'm not always brave in the face of anger or criticism or racism or someone acting badly. I'm I'm learning to find ways to be a better ally, to not let things go unchecked um, in a lot of avenues of life. But I wouldn't say I I always feel brave and courageous there. There's the act of doing it that I'm still learning. There's the finding the words that I'm still learning. And there's the learning I'm still learning. And there's a lot of learning I still need to do. But theater and improvisation helped me there. The techniques I've learned around status, how to watch body language, seeing the tension in someone's body, hearing the tension in someone's voice, being aware of those escalations and going, okay, you know, being able to keep myself, I guess, physically and emotionally safe if those things start escalating. But I know there's a lot of tools that I've been given there. Yeah, I'm definitely not always feeling as brave as I would like to be in those areas. And theater really helps me. So was writing your own book an act of braveness? Oh, it was terrifying. <laughs> I, oh, my God. Um, oh, man. I've learned so much about myself last year in doing that. It was just bizarre. Um, so Keith Keith kind of gave me a real good kick in the ass many years ago because I was talking to him. I was complaining about an impro thing. And he listened very politely. And then he said, where's your book? Which was like, <laughs> what? What? 
No, I don't, I don't want to be accountable for my point of view. I just want to rant and have you say I'm right. Um, and uh, I said to him, well, you know, Keith, I, I, you know, what would I write? I mean, you taught me and the work that I do, you know, was born from your work. And he very sweetly said, but you're not an, you know, an 80 year old British man. You have different experiences and a different point of view. And he said, and maybe you disagree with me. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for years I've been trying. I've got so many different drafts and chapters and components of many different books. But the fear factor always kicked in. You know, uh, why am I writing this? Why would anybody read this? What's the point of this? Um, no one's going to, you know, it's not going to be accepted. People are going to be critical. Do I want to set myself up for that? All of that, all that human stuff came crashing in. Um, and my editor, Jim Fishwick, who's um, an improviser as well, he was co-directing with me on uh, a soap, an improvised soap we were doing here. And when we finished the season, he was talking to me about some of the blogs I wrote. And he said how much he appreciated my voice um, in written form and had I ever thought of writing a book, to which I told him the story I've just told you. And he said, well, I'd like to help you make that happen. And it was like someone lit up my excitement and fear from zero to 10 at exactly mm -hmm. the same moment. It was like, Whoa! <laughs> and I thought, well, this is the breaking point. I, if I say no to this, then I'm saying no to it. Cause here's someone who's offering to help me get over the hurdles, the not being able to meet the deadlines, you know, and he was wonderful. Um, and through his guidance and support and regular weekly check-ins, I was able to, release a little bit of that and just go, okay, I'll write. I don't, I don't have to release it. I can just write it. <laughs> like I was doing these little baby steps. <laughs> I can just write it. Nobody has to read it. We'll see. <laughs> but the first draft of the book was me pretty much ranting. It was all my, I realized I was angry by seeing so many people being mistreated. And then when I saw that, I went, oh, oh, okay. Now I know what I want to express. Right. Okay. I get it now. Then the other drafts started to fall in. It's like, no, don't want to tell people what to do. I, I want to inspire people to think, to question, to communicate, to challenge, to shake it up, to have an adventure, to try it other. That's what I want to do. Whatever the results are, whatever people think, that's their process. That's their observation. That's where their exploration took them. But I just wanted to ignite a little bit of that. And then I wrote the book and I was terrified. Releasing it was one of the most exciting things. And I honestly, I think I sat for a week afraid to turn on the computer to see the troll 
the someone who was going to come out, with, you know, the baseball bat. Um, and I know that there will be people who disagree. Good. Why not? Um, I know there'll be people who like certain parts and don't like others. Great. Discuss it with your group. Because even if you hate it, ask yourself why. Just think, ponder, explore. Mm-hmm. And if people do that, regardless if they like it or hate it, then I feel I've achieved my goal in why I wrote the book. But man, I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and the response since, I mean, I've been following a bit, a bit on Facebook and, and from what I could see, there's been an amazing response and it's being sold all over the world. Um, how is that for you? Um, because I've never written a book before. I, I don't know what it's supposed to be, right? Which was really interesting. So, you know, people go, oh, is it going well? And I go in comparison to, I, I don't, I, I, for me, yeah, I'm glad anyone's bought it. Like, I'm just, I'm thrilled. Um, I'm, I'm getting some really interesting emails, people asking me some questions. Um, just last week, uh, a group in France wrote to me about the word at a time story. And they said they looked at, they took my chapter and they started looking at it from the points of view that I was talking about. And they said it turned a game that they hated and, and just didn't play into an amazing adventure. And they're really loving it. And the stories they're telling, they're really enjoying because uh, it just helped them reframe it or think of it differently. And that makes me happy to know that somewhere in the world, there's a group of people that are trying something and it's, it's, it's giving them joy and they're learning from it. That makes me happy. So yeah, from that point of view, I, I think it's going well. <laughs> well, from a personal point of view, um, having been lived in different on different continents and improvised in different scenes with different people and different approaches, uh, it was really freeing reading your book because uh, I had so many questions in my head because you meet a lot of people with very strong opinions of how things should be done, what you can't do and what should be done. And then, and I come from a very experimental theater background where they, um, I like the, the approach that there's no this or that. And you provided so many answers to the questions that I have and answers not in the way of this is how you should do it. These are the options. And, um, yeah, there's no, one way to do it, find your own path, basically. Absolutely. I had a wonderful conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago with Roddy Maud Roxby. And he's a uh, British actor, improviser, mask uh, performer. He was actually in the TV show Laughing for anybody uh, from the US who remembers that show from the 70s with Goldie Hawn and so forth. <laughs> um, but he was in Keith's Theater Machine, mm. Keith's first improv group. Oh. And so I was chatting to him about, you know, so what was it like when you guys rehearsed? And he went, we never rehearsed. We never workshopped. We did. We would, we would show up at a show and Keith would set something up he wanted to explore and we would do it. 
And sometimes it would go horribly wrong. And then sometimes we would learn something and there would be something of interest. But every single show they did was a total open exploration. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) That's where it started. Yeah. And it'd be nice if it continued, if there was more of that. Carrie, do you want to ask the last question? Yes, I will ask the last question. (laughs) So... um, so it sounds like your book has been an, an epic adventure. But if you could have one more adventure in your life, what would it be? One more. Oh, wow. Um, the first two images that came to mind, there's these glass cabins that are shaped like igloos somewhere up in the Arctic Circle. I I don't know if it's like far north Sweden, Norway, Greenland. And you can lay in them at night and watch the northern lights overhead. And even as I describe that, I can feel my fingers tingling and like my my rib cage opening because the northern lights are so bewildering and magical to me. That to be able to lay underneath them, like you'd see snow on the ground and it'd be like you're out in the cold, but you're not, which would be a very good thing. Um, (laughs) But also because it's dome shaped, you'd be completely surrounded in this swirling, magical, mystical thing. So that's something I'd like to really experience. And the other thing would be to actually be able to, to understand more about what it's like in space. Like since I've been doing, you know, all space tourism and so forth. And I've got a lot of mixed opinions about that because, you know, we've got a space station graveyard in the ocean and I just keep making more waste, but to be able to feel weightless, weightlessness and see the globe being out there somewhere. Oh, that'd be, that'd be very cool. That'd be Mm. very strange or very magical. Yeah. So those are the first two things when you asked that question that came to mind. It's lovely and it reminds me, it reminds me, it draws me back almost to the beginning of the, um, of the, when we talked in our either or, when we said mountain or stage and you said stage because you could imagine being, in the mountains and it makes me realize in some ways that is the power of a power of improv and imagination that you can <laughs> uh, yeah I can hear you see the see the yeah. images coming to life and see those adventures already and that's, <laughs> already that's the happening. gift of theater yeah. is that I can live stories and adventures that maybe I, I won't get to live in life and I can give that to other people in the audience And we can have that amazing adventure of the mind, spirit, heart, body, imagination, play, emotion together. Mm, Yeah. Amazing. That's that's such a beautiful final (laughs) sentence. (laughs) So Thank you so much, Patty. Once again, it's been such a joy talking to you, exchanging ideas, hearing your 
views on the world and our, our beloved art form improv. <laughs> um, thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for the invitation and those really beautiful, thought-provoking questions. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being part. <laughs> <laughs> well, bye-bye then. <laughs> bye. Thank you. So, Sarah, what are you going to take away from that fabulous conversation? Of course, as expected, lots and lots of ideas and thoughts. Two things um, really sort of surprised me. One was um, when Patty spoke about how she felt even more isolated in the pandemic because we have been talking about how digitalization can connect us, how people have connected from all over the world. Yet with being in Australia, when you're in a completely different time zone, um, it it still shows that our physical location does make a difference and influence where we are. We can't overcompensate everything through like digit, the digitalized world in a way. And the other thing that also surprised me a lot was Patty's self-doubts about writing a book, <laughs> doubting that she may not have enough to say. Uh, she has been in the improv scene for so long. She she knows so many people. She's traveled. She's worked with lots and lots of people. If someone has to say something about improv, then her. So I thought that was um, just interesting how I guess we all have, yeah, but, or many of us have doubts. And then uh, so it was also great to hear how she overcame that and the process of writing, having the first draft, which was just ranting, and then from that finding out what her book was going to be about. And again, that sort of reinforces the creative process and that things take time and evolve. How about you, Kerry? What did you take away? Because your <laughs> look on improv is a completely different one. <laughs> to yeah, mine. I, I, yeah, I found quite a few, well, quite a number of things really fascinating. Um, and a couple of things really, really resonated with me and drew me to other experiences. And one of the topics that she talked about was, or one of the things that came up was how important trust is in a workplace and play and joy. And it really brought me back actually to my first experience of teaching and working in a school, in a department that was just so much fun. And I think personally, I would have never have stuck with teaching had it not been for the fact that I was in this, just this department that brought joy every day through, through, I mean, we obviously were sensible and, and followed all of our teaching standards, but we just had a lot of fun in doing it and playing silly games or funny things happening and to me that was that it resonated when she said that people around you that you have people around you that can tickle and pinch you but catch you when you fall and that was exactly that that feeling and um yeah I was very grateful for that experience and I think gosh isn't it wouldn't isn't it great if you have that in every workplace um and life around you um and the second part that I really I really liked and really can relate to is how um powerful it is in theatre to have your imagination and that you can bring and conjure up whatever you want really on the stage and I find that so exciting because yeah I think that 
we can yeah we can experience we can't experience everything all the time in this world and it would be too much yeah too much to do everything but if we can you know we can get to try out and do different things through the stage and I feel that I've had experiences where I've been in the outdoors and going through the outdoors mindfully I know that I really I'm grateful for the experiences and the experiences are so great but I know that Obviously, when I'm back in the office, it's not going to always be like that. Or there are times when I'm not going to have those experiences. But actually having deep memories and connecting deeply in those experiences, it brings that back in other situations in life. And I can, through that experience, I can conjure up and I've got to think of a few examples. But um, when I can actually really feel that I'm back in that place and that's the power of imagination, the power of experience and um, yeah, I really appreciated that that outlook, and I think it's a topic we can talk about further. <laughs> Definitely, and well, that's why when it comes to happiness, people or it is recommended to go for to invest your money in experiences rather than products because they are much longer lasting. And yeah. uh, on the topic of imagination. That is something that belongs to us. It doesn't cost us anything. We can access it. We can control a lot of it, as in like mindfully think of and intentionally try and imagine things. So it's a tool we can use anywhere. Maybe that's something to keep in mind. Maybe maybe our listeners right now, if <laughs> if you feel you need a bit of a boost, um, uh, how about just imagining and remembering a time when when you were really happy or a place you would really like to go to picture it and let us know how if that has helped you to feel more positive and um lighter <laughs> well i think that's it for today isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it is yes thank you all for listening to our episode number 20 yay <laughs> if you would like to learn more about patty go into our show notes and you will find all the links you need to visit her website to follow her on social media and a link to um to her book where you can buy her lovely new book super then wishing you all further fun adventures in the winter time if you're in the northern hemisphere <laughs> in the summertime if you're in the southern hemisphere and we'll see you again next time goodbye goodbye <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the grow zone real-time adventures if you've enjoyed this episode and want to listen to more episodes or find out more about the grow zone go to www.thegrowzone.de if you would like to connect with us, you can find me, Sarah Hoopner, at www.improverin.com. And to connect with me, Kerry Temple, you can find me on www.forelements.eu.